Party on, Todd. Party on, Sal. Rock on. Rock on. Awesome. Well, welcome back, podcasters, to another episode of the Party on John cast, where we talk all things brew, music, theology, Jesus. This is Reverend Sal Sarmarco, a uh, teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church USA in the validated ministry of healthcare chaplaincy in Newton, New Jersey. It's been one of those weeks, hasn't it, where you, you, you have to actually have to pause and think of what think, you actually do. Who, who am I again? <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is uh, Todd Laddick. Uh, I'm an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey, serving here on higher ground from Sal in the lovely town of Newton. That's the only higher ground I give them. Sadly, though, as a Presbyterian and a Calvinist, you know that it is God who gives me the higher ground. That is true. That is true. It was preordained. Preordained. Okay, awesome. so, yeah. Well, um, today we are, are here in my uh, study, what they call the pastor study, fancy word for an office, um, here at, at my church, and... Um, and so we are going to have a little bit of fun. This is our Halloween episode. Last year it's we our second annual Halloween. Yeah, second annual, or as the Babylon Bee would put it, the second annual ever, <laughs> the second ever annual Halloween uh, show. Uh, last year we talked a little bit about the history of Halloween. Uh, I believe we recorded that actually at Bristol Glen last year. We did. So um, uh, yeah, so uh, that's pretty. Pretty rockin'. Uh, so anyway, we uh, are going to do that again, but we're not going to talk about the history. We're going to talk about some other things, which we'll get to in a little bit. But it's just Sal and I today. We're just, it's just Sal and I chilling, hanging just out. Chilling. Just, that's, just, just that's scary enough as it is. <laughs> it is. So, um, so that brings us to our Hebrews segment. Hey, Todd. Hey, Sal. What's up? How do you know that God loves coffee? How? You wrote about it in the book of Hebrews. Ooh, but Every time. So what do you... <sighs> yes, every time. So what are you drinking? <laughs> I am drinking Victor Allen's... Um, I almost said Oktoberfest, but no, I'm not. I'm drinking Victor Allen's uh, a pumpkin spice coffee, and uh, it's pretty solid. Nice. I mean, it's got the, all the hints of uh, pumpkin spice in it. Very appropriate for Halloween. You also have a, uh, what is that, um, apple spice, apple pie? It's apple pumpkin. It's called apple pumpkin, and it is a wallflower from uh, from Bath & Body Works, uh, which is basically this little glass thing that has a you know, liquid scent in it that you plug into a socket, and it you know it becomes aromatic so it's, yeah this not only is this a halloween episode it smells like halloween in oh. this office and for todd at least it tastes like halloween absolutely so what is sal drinking i am drinking the remnants of uh it's half watered down but i got a uh a iced latte uh with french vanilla from our favorite place dungan donuts uh needed coffee i was I was dragging before, so I'm sharing an office with our social worker. You mean to tell me you went to Dunkin' Donuts and you didn't get pumpkin spice? I did. I bet you you did that for the fact that pumpkin spice is just like a ridiculous amount of calories. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like ridiculous. Uh, and it's just purely sugar. <laughs> it is purely sugar for sure. So, uh, well, I guess that's our Hebrews segment. Um, which brings us to our most excellent music segment. Wow. You guys can't see Todd's face when he says that. It's pretty intense. It's 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 all. No bars held. No, no. <laughs> it, it shocks everyone who, when their first appearance on the show, they, they're a little surprised. Yeah, Sal knows it's coming, but uh, but <laughs> our guests have no clue. <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess I'll go first. Um, kind of a, a, a Halloween-themed and uh, song for me, I guess. It's really not Halloween-specific, uh, but it's... Uh, it's the song Surprise, You're Dead by Faith No More. 
Yes, it's, it's off their uh, the Real Thing album, which was their '91 album, which yep. is kind of their big break. That is probably their most metal album they had. I mean, they're very eclectic sound. If you know Mike Patton from mm-hmm. Faith No More, you know that it's a uh, it was a very funk funky metal sounding for that album. Uh, if you know their previous album, it's it's more punk. And then their albums after that They're were a lot more kind eclectic. Of all, all over the place. All over the they place. Did, they even got into a little bit of like electronic type sounding music as well. Yeah. I mean, they're just very eclectic. I think that's one of the cool things about Faith No More, actually. Yeah. And they came out with an album in 2017 or 2018, uh, Soul Evictus, which is a good album, mm. which is, again, that very eclectic hard rock sound. But Surprise of Your Dead is actually the most metal songs off of the real thing. Uh, but it opens with, uh, if you ever if you ever seen the scene from uh, Monty Python with the guy with the cart and the bell, ringing the bell <laughs> saying, bring out your dead. Bring, bring out, out your, your dead. dead. <laughs> yep. So it starts with that kind of bell. Uh, but it's, it's Mike Patton screaming, surprise, you're dead. Ha ha, open your eyes. Uh, see the world as it used to be when you, you used to be in it, when you were alive and when you were in love, and when I took it from you. It's not over yet. You don't remember? I won't let you forget the hatred I bestowed upon your neck in a fl- fatal blow. From my teeth and my tongue, I've drank and swallowed, but it's just begun. Now you are mine. I'll keep killing you until the end of time. Surprise! You're dead. Guess what? It never ends. The pain, the torment, the torture, profanity, nausea, suffering, perversion, calamity, you can't get away. And it's typical Mike Patton style of him screaming. And it's kind of that, if, reading those lyrics, it kind of sounds like it's about a vampire. It, you, you know, kind of kind of has that feel to it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know what would be Halloweenish about vampires. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's my... Um, we'll we'll link it link it in the notes. It's uh it's just an it's a short song. It's only two and a half minutes, so it's a short song. Yeah, so that's that. You know, you can't go wrong with Faith No More. Right. And uh, ironically, we we you know when we first started this podcast, we were going to do all metal, and then we noticed that we were just not really doing much metal, and we'd always have to say, well, don't really have a metal song today. <laughs> but so we're like, well, why don't we just switch it to most excellent music segment then we don't have to qualify what music we're today we actually have all metal (laughs) and actually and this the guitarist for faith no more on that album links back to our bill and ted yes uh theme because jim martin the guitarist on that album was in uh bill and ted was it the first or second first one i think the first one. think the first one yeah i think the first one um so uh I don't know how many of you out there listening are metal fans, but if you're a metal fan, chances are you have heard of the band Iced Earth. They are a pretty iconic band, uh, and they're along the lines of Iron Maiden. Uh, In fact, Iron Maiden is one of their big influences. Um, But uh, they have this album that is completely themed uh, on horror movies, like Famous horror movies that kind of inspired them as artists that they grew up loving, like Dracula, Frankenstein, that's, The Mummy. That's the cool thing about that the, that new wave British metal yeah. type music. They had themes. Yeah, they had themes, and and in fact, that's that that is what's cool. Same thing with uh, Iron Iron Maiden. You know, like um, Megadeth to an extent, even though that's thrash metal. They had like that that character that always showed up on every one of their albums. Uh, Iron Maiden had that character that showed up on every, and so does Iced Earth uh, as well. Um, so this album is called Horror Show, and I'll give you the track listing um, of it, and then I'll talk about a, a song that I really like on it. Uh, the track listing is Wolf, inspired by the the Wolfman. Um, Damien, inspired by the Omen films. Uh, God, there's so many good ones on here. Ghost of Freedom, which is uh, really not inspired um, by a movie, but is inspired by, uh, well, it was written by Matt Barlow, who was the, uh, the uh, he's the lead singer. Uh, Imhotep, 
Pharaoh's Curse, obviously, is on the mummy. Jekyll and Hyde is the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dragon's Child is uh, inspired by the creature from the Black Lagoon. Transylvania, hello, is Iron Maiden. That's an Iron Maiden cover. Um, And then there's uh, uh, Frankenstein. Uh, I don't think I need to tell you what that's inspired by. Uh, Dracula, and then uh, the Phantom Opera Ghost, which is a really good version, a good telling of the Opera Ghost, like the Phantom of the Opera story. Uh, that is probably one of my favorite albums on the entire, on the entire, on the one of favorite songs on the entire album. But the song I'm going to pick is uh, Dracula, because I love Dracula. I've read that novel. Uh, repeatedly i mean i just every one every now and again i pick up bram stoker's dracula and i read it uh one of the things i love about it sal is that unlike the vampires of the 2000s you know disco disco ball vampires that sparkle in the sunlight and you want to have a romance with them mm-hmm. you don't want a romance with dracula like it's not like uh what was that movie with brad pitt interview with interview of the vampire it's well actually that 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 interview with the vampire got the vampires mostly right, but they did add like kind of a sexy side to them. Uh, but they were still monsters. I mean, like I, I love that I love that uh, that that scene at the end of the the movie and you know at the end of the movie where uh, Christian um, what's his name uh, not Christian Bale but uh, I can't think of the actor's name. But anyway, the guy who plays uh, the the interviewer is riding out of uh, out of uh, either LA or San Francisco or wherever he is on the bridge and Tom Cruise's uh, Lestat character comes up, pops up, bites him in the neck, kills him and then takes over driving the car and it reminds you that these are these are monsters. They're not they're, it's great that you just sat down for an interview with them but then you became its dinner, you know. Um back back to to the 2000s, I'm thinking more like Twilight. Yes. <laughs> Twilight uh uh and Dracula in the novel is an absolute monster. There is some sympathetic side to him, like like his past as as a prince and whatnot. But but what he has become is nothing short of just evil. And what he does to Lucy Westenra in that novel is just awful. Anyway, I could go on and on about this. I I love the novel. Um, so this particular song is, um, this particular song is called Dracula and it's based off of the Bram Stoker Dracula movie, um, because, uh, uh, Schaefer, John Schaefer, who wrote the, who wrote the uh, song really liked the backstory to that and how like, you know, he does kind of get this sympathetic side to him where, where he was in love and the Turks like uh, shot shot a note in and his wife killed herself. And some of that is actually historically true. Um, and so then he decides, you know, since I was on a war to protect the, the, the uh, Christendom from the Turks and God allowed this to happen, I renounce God. You know, it's like, and it's just like, and then he, t- he plunges into evil and becomes the monster we all know him to be. So that's the, the, the way it goes. And here are the lyrics. And, and I just think these lyrics are phenomenal. Do you believe in love? Do you believe in destiny? True love may come only once in a thousand lifetimes. I too have loved. They took her from me. I prayed for her soul. I prayed for her peace. When I close my eyes, I see her face. It comforts me. When I close my eyes, memories cut like a knife. And then it goes into the screaming part. Uh, the blood is the life, and Christ I defy. My sworn enemy, birth of a new creed. Is this my reward for serving God's own war? The blood I've spilled up. Or the, the blood I've spilled for faith fulfilled. To damn her a disgrace, you spit back in my face. I served you loyally, and you spew blasphemy. I And he's talking to the priest there, obviously. I avenge with darkness. The blood is the life. The order of the dragon I feed on human life. There are far worse things awaiting man than death. Come taste what I have seen. I'm spreading my disease. I will feed upon his precious child. The human race will bleed. They will serve my need. I avenge with darkness. The blood is the life. The order of the dragon I feed on human life. And then it goes into... 
Um, I am the dragon of blood, the relentless prince of pain, renouncing God off his throne. My blood is forever stained. For true love I shall avenge. I defy the creed that damned her. And it's just... <laughs> It's just like it, it actually fits into what we're going to talk about in a little bit because it, it bad theology led him to hate God hate and God. become a monster. Right. Yeah. Horrifying theology led him to become horrifying. Go figure. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Guess what our theme's about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's my song. I talked way too long about that. Sorry. Uh, but I just have a real passion for Dracula. It gave me some time to look up on my movie choice. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Which is a segue to... Our next segment, which is our very scary movie. <laughs> so, oh, my. <laughs> uh, so going with the Halloween theme, we thought we would talk about some uh, our uh, horror movies or scary movies that we've recently seen or are our favorites. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll let you go uh, first. So I thought I would talk about It, Chapter 2, uh, which is the remake of uh, Stephen King's uh, It miniseries. Uh, you know, I, 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 I confess, I will not confess to plants, but I will confess <laughs> um, that I, I knew of the original 90s miniseries. I, I saw bits and pieces of it on TV. I knew Tim Curry, who was awesome and... Quite the character did an awesome job as Pennywise. Yeah, he did. Um, he totally did. But I have not watched the the miniseries f- fully. Uh, but uh, oh, really? So you never saw it in full? In full. Okay, no. I have. So I can't really compare the the miniseries to the movie. But I, the movie they did break up into two two chapters. Uh, so we saw both chapters. Um, chapter two is pretty good i mean i'm not a big horror fan allison's more of a horror fan than i am she likes a lot of the thrillers and you know ghost stories Mm -hmm. um but i thought it was it was a good combination of suspenseful thriller and like make you want to gag and jump out of your seat scary yes yes um i mean there's it's an almost three hour movie I think it's that about was three. shocking yeah. to me because the first one wasn't that long. No. I don't recall. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's long. It's it can bits parts of it seemed kind of dragged out, but it. I mean, there's some part like when Pennywise um, attacks a young girl, yeah. like when he opens his oh. mouth and all those teeth come out. Like, like that's like. Uh, and there's a there's a rather tall old woman in the movie. Oh God, <laughs> that is so scarring. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, oh my, uh. and she starts chasing one of the characters. Naked, Naked. by the way. Like, uh, like this is a spoiler you want to know about. want to know about it? If you want to see what about an 85-year-old, tall, lanky, naked woman looks yeah. like running at you, yeah. you, this movie will show you that. <clears throat> the yeah. scene starts out with the old lady kind of sneaking through a doorway, and you see her naked, and you're like, okay, something's going to happen with mm-hmm. the old lady. And then she transforms into this nine-foot scary monster yeah. of an old lady. Um, but then uh, reflecting on it, I told Allison, I was like, you know what? That reminded me of uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> Tell them large Marge said you. <laughs> <laughs> <It's, it's, laughs> I'm going to avoid doing Pee-wee Herman. <laughs> Pee-wee <laughs> Herman impression. Yep. <laughs> anyway. I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> but uh, I mean, the, and in the video, the video, the movie, I mean, it, it Kind of deals with you know the the evil or the, the the monster that's in all of us. We all kind of have to face our demons. I at least that's kind of what I picked up on the movie is each of the characters had to face their own inner demons to. It's powerful. Be able yeah. to confront Pennywise. Yeah. And uh, uh, Pennywise is you know gets gets his strength from your fears. Yes. Yes. Um, and I won't ruin the ending for you, but. They have to realize that at the end to defeat Pennywise. Yeah, yeah, so. and and that was the same with the miniseries. I mean, it's this, that's the basic it Stephen King story. Um, but it, but I thought I liked the miniseries, but the miniseries was made for TV, yeah. so it's toned down. Um, that doesn't mean it's not valuable or shouldn't be watched. It's it's a good miniseries, but 
But this one, they could really go to town with it because it's it's a film, and now I mean, how many years later? It's mm-hmm. just I saw it in Dolby, which um, <laughs> if you've ever been in a Dolby theater, the sound is like it just reverberates through you, and then the chairs vibrate. Mm-hmm. So like, even if you're one of those squeamish people that has to close your eyes and heart, you know, scary you're not getting away with it in the Dolby theater because whether you see it or not, you'll feel it. <laughs> so it's, it's a, it was a really cool experience. It was a good movie to see. And it's got, it's got some really good performance by Bill Hader. Yeah. He, which I didn't expect. It was shocking, shockingly good. Um, so good, act, good acting. Uh, I thought, you know, that the ending was kind of cheesy cause they have to wrap up like the, the message of the movie. Yeah. Very funny, very cool uh, cameo by Stephen King. Yes, which he hasn't done in yeah. a long time because he used to do that all the time in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I recently recently saw the remake of Pet, Pet Cemetery. That was good, too. Which was good, but I thought I thought the original was a little better. Okay, yeah. Um, but still a good movie. I don't remember if he did the cameo in that movie. He didn't, and um, uh, I liked... Yeah, I like both. I like both of them. I, I, I didn't necessarily think that the new take on it made. I don't know that the new take on it took the original anywhere new. Yeah. So it was just like a more fresh take on what was already there. And I'm not upset that they made it. It was a good film, but but they added a twist to it at the end that didn't happen in the original film and didn't happen in the book. Uh, but they say that overall that they they um were a little closer to the book than the original film was except in that twist where they're totally not in line with the book or the other film so and uh, and bill skarsgård as pennywise I mean, <sighs> he i i first discovered discovered bill skarsgård in the netflix series um hemlock grove mm-hmm. have you seen that mm-hmm. Hemlock Grove, which is based on a book, it's basically about a small town in Pennsylvania with the main characters like a vampire and the other characters of a werewolf. A werewolf, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a very kind of a teenagery, but it's a horror like series. It's only like two two seasons. Yeah, it's not it didn't last long. Um, uh, but he was good in that. The second season got really very campy, and I was like, okay, this is. I'm glad they ended it after right two seasons, but. But he is he, the job he does is Pennywise. Because in that Hemlock Grove, I was like, all right, he's 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 an okay actor. But okay. For, as Pennywise, he like is awesome. Absolutely, yeah. Like he really gets the character of like this tormented Penny clown. Yeah, and, and anybody who knows it, and this is a bit of a little bit of a spoiler, but it won't really ruin anything for you because you figure it out pretty quickly. Anybody who knows it. Pennywise isn't actually a clown. Mm-hmm. Pennywise shows up as a clown uh, because he's either luring little kids or the you know clowns can sometimes have that creepy effect, so he's playing on your fear. But really, he's something otherworldly, mm-hmm. and uh, and like Sal said, he plays on your fears. So you know he can show up as a old woman who you know looks cute and harmless, but is scurrying around absolutely naked. Or he shows up. (sighs) (laughs) It's just like, it just, it was creepy. I mean, it was really creepy. Or he shows up as the bully who's going to reveal your secret or as the old man with leprosy or. Yeah. 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 That was, that was, that was was nasty too. Yeah. There's a lot of ick factor in it, Uh, but it, it does drive a powerful story and it's a powerful metaphor for us. I mean, it really is. And most horror movies, most horror films are. Yeah. Like metal. Cool. Awesome. Well, my very scary movie is um, actually it's not a movie, but it's it's a continuation of what was uh, three movies. It's Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, I don't know if anybody has seen that. It's a sh- uh, it's a stars series. Stars are showed. It's one of the one of the. It's a stars original. Shows. Yeah, it's a stars original. Um, it only lasted three seasons, and that's not because it wasn't good. Uh, actually, it was really good. It was really well watched. Uh, but but Bruce Campbell was like, "All right, 
Listen, I've played this. He's been doing the character what for forty years now. Thirty or forty, 30. Year, thirty or forty, forty years probably. Yeah, he's like, look, I've been, you know, we got to retire this character. I'm, I'm done with it. Uh, and so they actually went into season three knowing this is it, mm-hmm. and and it, you know, I'm not gonna give it away, but they wrap it up nicely, like they they really do. Um, but every one of those seasons is just spot on. First off, I don't know if you saw it, Sal, but they made a remake of Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was okay. okay. I mean, it, it was okay. It was good. You know, like I didn't hate it. Yeah. But, but only yeah. Bruce Campbell can play Ash. Like, yeah. there's nobody who can be Bruce Campbell. Yeah, I mean, what made the original and that one scene in particular with the tree <laughs> so scary is because it was like it was physical effects. Yeah. The new, the remake obviously uses CGI and it's like, yeah, it's scary because you know what's going to happen, but it's like, it it doesn't have the same bite as the original. For those who, um, for those who have not seen the evil dead, uh, all I will say is go watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a scene where a tree has its way with a young female, with a young female. And that's all we'll say about it. But it is. It doesn't show it per se. It it doesn't. It, you know, it doesn't. It's not like graphic in that you know, ooh, this shouldn't be on the screen. But your mind fills in That's what it doesn't see. So, it and and for the for audiences seeing that for the first time today, you're kind of like whatever because we've seen so many like outlandish things that that that's almost like infantile today, but. For seeing that for the first time in the early '80s, it was just like, "Oh my God, what did I just see?" On you know, what it was just—it was pe- people wanted it banned. They was yeah. like, it was like, it was like, you know, and and what Sam Raimi noticed because Sam Raimi is the one who directed it, um, and he's the one that went on later to direct like this, their first three Spider-Man movies and all that. But what Sam Ra- Raimi noticed was that. He, he they really wanted to make a serious horror film and they did in the original Evil Dead. But there was a level of camp to it that was not necessarily intended and I think that comes from Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell. who just if you know his career it's very he, he embraced the camp. He embraced it. Yeah, and and I think Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi got together and just said, "You know what? Let's do a sequel." We'll we'll retell the 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 first movie, and they tell it a little differently than it happened in the movie. But we'll retell the first movie, but we're gonna make Ash like the epitome of like horror camp, and he is going to be just about everything that is politically incorrect in the world. Like, <laughs> yeah, so by the time you get to Army of Darkness, it's just it's comedy at that point. It's- but you said you love me. That's what we call. Pillow talk. (laughs) You know, he he is like a chauvinist. He's a racist. He's he's like everything you shouldn't. And what I loved about the series, so so they made Evil Dead One, Evil Dead Two. That's Evil Dead Two. Where he loses his hand is where he loses his hand. Uh, He may have lost his hand. I I think he he cuts it off. He cut it off in the first one, but it's in Evil Dead Two where you really see him starting to use that chainsaw in a in a way to fight the Evil Dead. Um, and then, and then, Army of Darkness is more like Jason and the Argonauts, and it's comedy more than it is horror. Yeah, he goes back in time, and he has to fight skeletons. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the leader of the Army of Darkness, his jaw keeps falling off when he tries keeps trying to say "Tally Ho," and his jaw keeps falling off. <laughs> Tally. <laughs> so, um, so he, you know, so they decide to make this series. Where it's like thirty years after the Army of Darkness, and they tied in the they tied in the movies very well. They tied in the movies very well, and then he, he you know he accidentally this is again his character he was tr- he brought somebody home from a bar or something, and he wanted you know wanted to, to get, get passionate with them, and so they decide to you know he pulls out marijuana and they smoke it together, and then he thinks in his stoned state that it would be cool to pull out this old book and show it to her, and he. He starts reading what it says to her. He's like, "Oh, you want poetry? Here's poetry, baby." And he starts reading the Necronomicon, which of course brings the Evil Dead back. And so he ends up having to fight the Evil Dead. But what I what I love about the series is is it combats in a way that doesn't happen in comedy anymore. Now, if we're going to do comedy, we're just going to be vulgar. 
we're going to be stupid. And it's, I, I find comedy a lot of days not even funny. It's just like the F-bomb 150,000 times. Um, and, and, and it's stupid sex humor that doesn't really hit. What made this different is Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, and, and crew really made this like Mel Brooks would make it. Like like blazing saddles, where they use words and do things and say things that would absolutely offend anybody who heard it, but they pull it off so that you're laughing, mm-hmm. and then you realize, oh, that's really not funny, and it and, and it instructs you about our own biases and instructs us about our own uh, flaws in a way that is comical, mm-hmm. you know, but. But it's not comical because I shouldn't be thinking. I shouldn't be laughing at this. Why am I laughing at this? Yeah. So it's just brilliant. Yeah, about, and it's available on Netflix. Yeah, it's available on Netflix. Um, all three seasons. I'm about halfway through season two, so I've got about a season and a half left. So it's one no those, spoilers for me. No, it's one of those things. I started, I started uh, binging it, and then the next thing came out, and I binged that, and then I binged that, and just yeah. haven't gotten back to it yet. But. Yeah, I just finished it up last week, and it was, it, it was, it's just, it's just brilliant. It's perfect. Uh, and, uh, and he is, he is, he is, uh, like, I love his little, me- his, was his, his little Mexican friend, and what, he's, what does he say to him? He says something like, he's like, I for, I forget what he says, but, but every time he introduces Ash, he's like, yeah, here's my, pretty cool slightly racist friend ash <laughs> you know like it's just, but it but that's the running joke throughout the whole series yeah. and throughout the whole film series too so that's uh, that that's that. i actually have a bonus 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 content yes. for our movie section uh there this is a oh, i'm gonna, i'm doing air quotes right now horror movie uh that i'm not recommending uh if you're from new jersey you know the urban legend, the myth, the uh, of Clinton Road, which oh, is yeah. actually in the town where I live, West Milford. It's about a ten mile road that goes from Route Twenty Three in West Milford to Warwick Turnpike, which takes you up to Warwick, New York. And it's uh, supposedly it's been in Weird, New Jersey. Supposedly it's the second most haunted road in the country. Um, uh, I'll be honest, uh, I've been down that road and have had weird experiences it's spooky actually allison and i drove home yeah. on clinton road after we saw it chapter two <laughs> that's a perfect road to drive down and, why not and it was it was foggy and yeah it was, it's creepy it's a creepy road yeah because uh, it's there's a lake it's windy there's it's Dark. really desolate there's really yeah. nothing on it until you get to the the yeah. ends of it uh so last year there came out a movie called clinton road about the clinton road and uh it was all over the news because ice tea was in it was in it <laughs> For two minutes, <laughs> uh, I think they they um, splurged with their budget to get um, iced tea and that, uh, or they drugged them, or they drugged them. <laughs> iced tea. Um, Vincent from what's his name, Big Pussy from Sopranos, was in it. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Eric Roberts for like thirty seconds was in it. Eric Roberts of eighties movie fame. Yeah, is that Vincent and? Not D'Onofrio. Not D'Onofrio, no. Um, anyway. Oh, anyway, I know who you're talking about. Um, but it's very low budget. I mean, I think, seriously, Ice-T is in the beginning of it as a club owner. Uh, the acting is not good. The, the story is just, the story makes no sense. It's all over the place. By the way, I did rent it. I have yet to watch it. Uh, but but I I'm going to painstakingly watch it just because of having been down probably the same reason you did yeah. yeah having been down I knew I had heard of it because of it was in the New Jersey newspapers that Ice T was making this movie about yeah um, anyway there's another movie uh, called Lake the Lake on, on the Lake on and I don't know how that is but that you can watch on uh, Prime I yeah. think has it free that looks. Slightly better. Looks slightly better. Yeah, so I, I'll check that out too. So check it out, and then I'll, I'll curse that I paid to watch a yes. worse movie than the one I could watch for free. Okay, so uh, that is our very scary movie segment, which brings us to our horrifying theology segment. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> um. uh, so why don't you lead us into this one, Sal? Yeah, I mean, with the uh, with the modern technology of social media and Twitter, um, 
we get a lot of our shithouse theology from Twitter lately. Uh, we do, for um, sure. So we, we thought we'd do our scary, horrifying uh, theology from some recent Twitter activity. <laughs> sounds good. Um, sounds good. There's been enough of that, right? There has been enough of that. Um, and this is an old favorite of ours from our shithouse theology segment, uh, Union Seminary in New York City. Yeah. Uh, which can't even call it theological anymore. Can yeah. <laughs> um, how they call themselves a Christian seminary at this point is it's uh, hard, at least from their uh, their their online presence. You know, I I know some very faithful Christians who have gone there, um, but from their online presence, their Twitter presence, and their well-meaning uh, president. Uh, it just feels like they're trolling us, trolling us at this point. Trolling Christians, yeah, yeah. like just just putting things out there to rile the Christian community. Yeah, up. like yeah. Uh, if you if you have orthodoxy in the middle, they're so far left field. Yeah. Uh, it's not even a home run. Yeah, l- let's just say Athanasius is exploding right now in his grave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. If <clears throat> if Saint Nick was here, he would be punching heretics at Union. <laughs> And that's, again, that's not to say that all students who go to Union no. are heretics or all teachers who are there are, un- are heretics. That That's not what we're saying. But, but what we are saying is almost everything that comes out of their Twitter account is heresy. Is heresy. <laughs> so, uh, so what happened on Twitter a day or two ago, and I woke up to this and, you know, habit, first thing I do when I wake up is I'd look at my phone and, open, you know, and had a notification from twitter it was our a mutual friend of ours on twitter from another podcast had had retweeted this tweet from union uh that apparently uh this week in chapel they the students got together around plants and confessed their sins to plants (laughs) i mean you just can't make it up like you just and the the funny thing is, if you look at the picture in the back, there's a an African American student who's like, you can see the horror in his face. Like, what am I witnessing? <laughs> like we said, not all people who go there are <laughs> are aboard. Um, so apparently, if you if you look and the the responses from from Union are, I can I understand where they're coming from. They're it's uh, they're trying to develop a theology around eco care and care of creation totally down with that down with down i mean that's that's implicit in the bible is our care of creation um but to confess your sins to the creation and not the creator is a little it's mind-boggling and that's and that's what it right like so and then the people were trying to defend that and say well just because you're confessing doesn't mean you're worshiping true but Confessing to something that can't receive your confession and cannot give you absolutely. forgiveness makes absolutely no sense. So if I'm conf- if I punch Sal in the face, which I won't do, but if I did, and I confess to him that what I did was wrong and I apologize for it, Sal can say, "Hey, you know that's fine," and smack me back. Um, if I burn a plant. I can't confess to another plant and receive any sort of absolution or forgiveness yeah. or because the the pivotal the pivotal the pivotal act of that thing or that person receiving your confession and then granting forgiveness is not present. Yeah, it's just it's just not present. So um, so this of course everything that that they post on Twitter just explodes and goes viral. So people all over the place were just like on this like. Yeah. Like flies in the. Here's the here's the tweet. It says, "Today in chapel, we confessed to plants. Together, we held our grief, joy, regret, hope, guilt, and sorrow in prayer, offering them to the beings who sustain us, but whose gift we too often fail to honor. What do you confess to the plants in your life?" So, so a number of people like. Um, uh, I think Evan tweeted that like I confessed, I confessed that I, I love plants because they nourish the tasty animals I eat. <laughs> Wait, 
And to which, to which I responded to Evan, I said, uh, does it make us vegan if the animals were vegan? I confess for this statement. Um, <laughs> I confess, uh, what I tweeted was, I confess that as a vegan, tasty plants probably view my home as a house of horrors. <laughs> I also confess that I simply don't confess anything to plants. I just eat them. Yeah, my, my tweet was, I confess those plants are pretty tasty when roasted. Oh, and I feel like this is trolling somehow. Uh, somehow. Uh, on, on their, actually on their post, I tweeted a picture of um, Swamp Thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Swamp Thing looking down like, oh my God. <laughs> yes, and my, my response to, on their tweet was, uh, was, uh, say what? Say what? <laughs> yes. Um, and, and, and there are more. So, so, so hear, hear us out here. Uh, Ethan Nicole. Uh, uh, shout out to him, though uh, I'd be very shocked if he listens to us. Uh, that would be awesome if he did. But Ethan Nicole actually, uh, he, he, he he retweeted it. And he's from, by the way, the Babylon Bee. Uh, so I, I listen to those guys. I, I love them. But uh, Ethan Nicole's like, it's all a misunderstanding of the term church plant. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. It was, it's just, it, it just... I, I, people were having lighthearted fun with it because it's just so ridiculous, yeah. horrifyingly ridiculous. And, and I, I, know, I know the the, the person that was leading. There, it's, apparently, it's part of a class on, uh, you know, litur- liturgy around creation care. Um, and I know that he's a legit theologian, but it's like, in the context that they tweeted it, it's like what. There's no context behind it. Right. There's no like. So we don't even really know what the liturgy was, and that's right. that's the thing. And and it's it's we live in this. Look at we we live in this time where everybody now has to be what they call woke, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now some of that is good. Some of that's an awareness of cultural differences and being sensitive to people. Um, you know, so we're not like judging them or labeling them or pigeonholing them. Some of that's good. But now everybody has to be woke. So we're going to be woke. And what are we going to do to be woke? Well, we're going to pray to plants and we're going to tweet about that in a way that gets people like, you know, and and makes people aware. But, but, but all it's really doing is causing people to scratch their heads, causing Christians to get, get up in arms because it seems like we're now praying to plants, which is weird. And then, and then it, like you said, it's devoid of any context. So it could be that they did this and it was very theologically like maybe god maybe that maybe it was maybe it was surrounding the 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 plants and 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 you know lamenting over the way we were treating our earth but maybe there was god included in that we have no clue we don't know because we simply we simply saw a picture tweeted of a group dirt and house plants uh a young woman Sitting on the floor by the plants, and a group of people in chairs, um, and it said, "What do you confess to your plants?" Um, so we don't, yeah, we don't know what the actual liturgy was. We don't know what the prayer was after that. Right? Yeah. Uh, somebody uh, on on Twitter commented, "You forced the plants in pots." Pulled them from their homes, dragged into a stuffy room, stealing their earth from the ground it was from, forcing them into an artificial environment, suffering the indignation of being put on display like as if they were in a zoo. You monsters. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I don't know what else we can say about this one. Um, It just, it's another, it's another display of ridiculous tweeting by Union. Yeah. And if, uh, well, if you know our previous discussion on Union, the president, the president at uh, around the time of Easter was interviewed and essentially said, you don't need to believe in the physical resurrection to believe in resurrection. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on Easter. On Easter. Uh, I, yeah. And, and again, that's implying that you know, there's, you know, resurrection can be spiritual. It doesn't need to be. You know, Jesus didn't need yeah. to act get up and walk out of the grave for it to mean something well and that's uh yeah he did <laughs> i tweeted out recently that christian twitter is weird uh, because that that issue came up recently again on twitter in on christian twitter um and it was and the amount of high profile christians who uh res- you know 
there were folks like Todd and myself who responded with with sincere critique of you know, well, you know, what what exactly are you saying here uh, in terms of physical literal resurrection? Yeah, and some very high profile Christians uh, accused those who were critiquing an attempt to dialogue on Twitter accused them of shaming, shaming and causing violence. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, it, um, very high profile people were trying to make the argument that because people were 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 talking to this person about whatever they tweeted, and I forget what the specific tweet was. Oh, I remember what it was. Uh, it had to do with uh, anyone who basically the tweet was that anyone uh, who held to orthodoxy on on doctrines such as the physical resurrection were. Fundamentalists. Fundamentalists, or something of that nature. That's not word for word, but that's basically uh, the way it, the way it it went. And it's, they basically were saying that um, that if you disagreed with that and and tweeted against the idea of that and said and stuck to orthodoxy, you were actually bringing harm against the person who tweeted it because what you did then was spark the crazy people out there who were then sending her. Right death threats which is it's like no no that you put an idea out there no one made you put that idea out there no reason why i shouldn't be able to defend that in fact as a pastor and as a theologian yeah. it's my duty to defend the doctrines uh, you know of christianity it the orthodox was a, it was essentially an argument about orthodoxy versus orthopraxy you know mm-hmm. right doctrine right thinking versus right action right um and the folks who ascribe more to orthopraxy saying, well, uh, you know, don't, don't clobber me over the head with orthodoxy because that prevents me from doing orthopraxy. It's like, well, you can't do good orthopraxy without good orthodoxy. Right. One is, one is a function out of the other. Um, so when, when pastors and theologians were engaging in this discussion and saying, and pushing back and saying, whoa, you know, are you are you saying that this is what your belief is is different from the orthodox po- traditional position? That was inter because it's Twitter and it's not face to face. It's words, and it's spur of the moment. Here's my thought. Yeah, that was that was thrown back in those pastors and theologians' faces, saying you're shaming us, including ours, <laughs> including ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and a good conversation did come out of that, and and the person said, no, well, I'm not saying that's what I believe. I'm just saying we we shouldn't be judgmental toward people who are having a hard time struggling with that. So, but but the initial t- tweet, the initial tweet was a shaming. You want to talk about shaming? It was a shaming of anybody who held to the orthodox Christian point of view, right? The, theological view. Yeah, yeah. She we we were <laughs> shaming her, but. <laughs> yeah. She was shaming us yeah. in the initial tweets. Yeah. So, uh, fr- friends, you can't do that. You, if right. you're going to put a public idea out there publicly, you're yeah. going to expect pushback. Now, I'm not saying that that people were right in sending her death threats, and those people aren't even Christian. If right. you're sending death threats, you're not a Christian. Not a Sorry. Christian. Um, but but no one forced said person to put that idea out there for the public debate. Like, and I, I've I've seen theology done very well on Twitter, where of pastor or theologian will professor will specifically say okay this is going to be a thread and they'll they'll start their thought because they understand that theology can't really be expressed in 146 characters yeah or 200 whatever 140 i think yep um so they'll do a series of tweet after tweet after tweet to go over like it wasn't presented that way it was simply presented if you stick to this this orthodoxy, you're a fundamentalist. Yeah, no, just left there. No context around it. Just the, mm-hmm. this is a thought I had while working on a sermon. No context. Maybe next year we'll do horrifying Twitter. <laughs> <We should. laughs> um, but yeah, that's exactly what happened. So anyway, uh, the next thing that we have on the list of uh, horrifying theology is the good Reverend. I, I don't know if you can call him the good Reverend, but the Reverend Robert Jeffers. Jeffers. For those of you who don't know who he is, he is the pastor of Fox News. I mean, oh, yes, yes, he is a, one of the prime contributors on Fox News. He is a staunch defender of our president. Um, he is the pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, which is a lar- very large mega church, large Baptist Southern Baptist congregation yeah. in, in Texas, um, and they are very well known for. 
their uh, Patriot Sunday, which is, uh, I think they call it Patriot Sunday. I think it's called Patriot Sunday. It's the, the Sunday on or around July 4th. Um, you can probably figure out what that worship entails. I'm pretty sure we can find a picture and post it. We'll find a picture and post it. Um, uh, the nation, the the nation of the United States of America, features prominently in that. It's it's soul. It's promoted as a service to celebrate the birth of our nation and the freedoms that that entails. Yeah, but it is damn near, if not nationalism. Oh, it it, it is civic religion masked by the word Christian. You know, so so what we do is so what they do basically is they you know they worship in that service. They worship uh, the flag. They worship the flag. They worship the flag. They worship America, and uh, and they and they do it. They do it in the name of God, which is. I don't know if that if that would be measure up to what Jesus says when he says, you know, like there's no, there's no unforgivable sin, but the sin of blaspheming the spirit. Mm -hmm. But when you are, when you are literally putting your political agenda up for worship and doing it in the name of God, like I, I, I don't know that. I mean, that's just, I don't know that there's much worse than that. I mean, it's if you're an American, it may be hard to wrap your head around this because we we think of our country as good and and you know generally generally speaking, I mean, I know there's a lot of of uh, people who 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 want to you know highlight all of America's woes and and there's a time and a place for that and we can't forget them that's for sure. But overall, America is not a bad place. Right. It's a good country, uh, you know. But but. <clears throat> um, if you if you want to wrap your mind around it, every country thinks they're a great country. So Nazi Germany thought it was a great country. Could you imagine walking into a church and seeing the swastika flag wrapping the entire church and everybody worshiping how great Nazi Germany is? Okay, now I know that's an extreme, but that will give you the level of... And doing it in the name of God with God's blessing. Right. And I, 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 I stand corrected. It is not Patriot Sunday. It is Freedom Sunday. Oh, Freedom Sunday. Even better. Um, they, even, they even wrote their own hymn about it. Oh, boy. Yes. So, so what's horrifying about that is, is it absolutely has no place oh, and in guess, the sanctuary. Guess who was the preacher that, that Sunday? Who? Uh, Oliver North. Oliver North. Yes, Oliver North was the preacher. Yes, he well, he spoke. <laughs> Didn't know he had those credentials. Um, he spoke. He spoke wow. about you know service and freedom and patriotism, he, he, which are yeah, that's right up there with what Jesus taught. Uh, yeah, Jesus, Jesus totally taught honor and service and well, service certainly. But the kind of service that they're talking about is service in the United States of America's military and uh, not not service as in serve and love your neighbor as yourself kind of kind of deal um i it, it what's horrifying about it is is that there are many christians out there who are deceived deceived by by the notion that being a good american is a requirement for being a good christian, good christian. i mean you you and i have ex- witnessed that in my chapel services at bristol glen mm-hmm. A lot of the, the generation that I serve are uh, the, the great generation, the, the silent generation, served in Vietnam and Korea. Mm-hmm. Or not Vietnam. Well, some of the newer residents. World War II and Korea. Yeah, World War II. Yeah. So, you know, which was a very, uh, that was a very big earth, uh, world-changing event mm-hmm. uh, that required service and patriotism yeah uh and did legitimately defeat an evil force yeah um yeah that but it was those vets who were coming home who really married this idea of patriotism and the flag god and country into you know because the as they came home and had families the whole baby boomer mm-hmm. generation the height the peak of american christian mainline christianity protestant christianity was the 60s and 70s when these vets were coming home and having babies and starting families 
because of that service, they really that seeped into the church. And it was well intentioned. Well intentioned. And, you know, and and I know many people who serve and are proud of their service and proud of their country, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when we're in the sanctuary, we're there to worship right. God. So a lot of the older generations that will give will give folks like Todd and myself. Uh, and a lot of our colleagues gruff about, well, you don't have the American flag placed right in the sanctuary because there's a flag code and there's appropriate ways to display the flag. Yeah, yeah. and it but needs to be higher than any other flag. Higher than any flag, well, not the cross. Yeah, 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 and yeah. and and that's just that that's just it. I, I'm not saying God would want you to be a bad American. Okay, that right. that God would want us to be good. Period. Yes. Um, but God is not American. God is not German. God's not Egyptian. God's not Jewish. God's God. Yeah. And and when we're when we God is above all other things. The flag should not be above God. God is well above yeah, the flag. It's kind of the point of the whole render under Caesar what is Caesar and unto God what is God is. Yeah. Everything is God's. Everything is God's. Caesar yeah. may be appointed by God, or you might have to honor Caesar because he's been put in place by god but yeah you don't owe our loyalty is not to caesar our loyalty is to god yeah. and christ crucified and and i would even say that this is coming from my theological bent um i would say that it's not so much that god puts people into power but god doesn't stop them from being in power mm-hmm. um god doesn't you know like you know god didn't stop hitler didn't come down and strike Hitler dead before he could ascend to be dictator of Germany. I I don't know many people who would say God appointed Hitler to no. be <laughs> dictator of of Germany. So there is a difference. But the the reality is is we are in general supposed you know we shouldn't be troublemakers. We shouldn't be divisive. We should be good citizens. Honor those placed in authority over us. So long as what we're doing honors God. Right, and that's very much the the. Uh, and Robert Jeffries and his type are often will point to Paul's letter to the Corinthians and say, you know, honor those put in authority. You know, mm-hmm. what is it? Uh, for God put them there. For God put yeah. them there. Yeah. But then they stop at verse seven, yeah. not realizing that verse eight through ten says, "But if if the law goes against the law of God, which is love." Do not obey it. Don't obey it. <laughs> right, right. So, in other words, if Caesar's telling you to bow down and worship me instead of God, don't, don't do, do it. it. If Caesar's telling you to fornicate and pay tribute to him, don't, don't do, do it. it. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> if, if Caesar is telling you to put children in cages, don't, don't do, do it. it. Right, right, right. So, so, and that, and that's what it comes down to. It, it's, it's not about disrespecting or dissing our country, uh, but it's about recognizing that God transcends all of that, and God is what matters. There's a moral law that supersedes civil law. Civil law, right, right. Amen. And if it doesn't come out of the law of love, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, that's our horrifying theology for I think this this uh, particular. I, I think that's a lot scarier than it, chapter two. I think it's, you know when you really think about the implications of these things and where they lead, it is scary. It is scary. Even 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 the the plant thing, which was more funny than scary. Um, if you really think about where that leads, that tweet. We don't know what they did in the service, but that tweet itself leads people to think. That, oh, I can just pray to plants and confess my sins to plants and it'll make the world better. It'll, it'll, it'll help us heal where we've, where we've destroyed our ecology and where we've destroyed our, our, our ecosystems. It doesn't, and, it doesn't point towards legitimate confession and repentance right. and part of confession. You and I both, when we lead confession in our services, the point of pointing our, you know, at least in the Presbyterian liturgy it's not me as the clergy telling you all that you're forgiven it's me telling us it's me leading us that we need to be forgiven right right and then pointing them to the fact that it's not me as the clergy that's forgiven you it's jesus it's jesus that's right that's um, right and so the scary thing is that you know it's not you know even as a calvinist it's not my place to say who's going to hell and who's not going to hell or who's gone to heaven still think that God chooses who goes to heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. 
But the danger of this theology is that it leads people away from the true source of forgiveness and salvation. Right, right. It's that's exactly right. And 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 if Orthodox Christian point of view, which has been around, or theology, which has been around for two thousand years now, um, some people will argue that they try to set it at you know like Athanasius' um, time and Constantine. But but honestly, if if two thousand years of Christianity is right then this stuff really does matter. And just because we're now woke <laughs> and, and, and we want to be relevant, uh, there's nothing more relevant than the gospel. Right. We can't be any more relevant than Jesus Christ. A good friend of ours and colleague uh, points out to, that schools like Union, and you see some of it in a lot of mainline, they're not, they're not training pastors or clergy, they're training social justice actors. Warriors, right, right. Um, now, Todd and I are both for social justice, yeah. But we know that that is all rooted in one person, one person, Jesus Christ. That's right. We are not training people to proclaim that. We are training people to simply become political activists. That's all we're doing. Yeah. Um, whether it's conservative or liberal, this is news. This is a news flash. But Jesus was not an activist. No. Um, Jesus was the Son of God. The Son of God. <laughs> Yeah, um, his life and his resurrection caused his disciples to activate and be active yeah. in pursuing that kingdom. Yeah, and the justice comes out of that. Absolutely, absolutely. But the the just social justice activism is is not is itself not the gospel. Amen. Amen. The gospel is Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, that's where that's where it begins. Is where it ends. Um, and it doesn't end because Jesus Christ is eternal. I think that's the most preach I've been on these podcasts. Yes, yes. Um, so I guess uh, at that point, at this point, we'll, we'll conclude. Um, I want to thank you for listening in um, and and uh, you know supporting us through your listenership. That's that's important. Uh, we're going to have all of the stuff we talked about in the episode notes. Um, and, uh, we hope that you will check all of that out. Uh, you can support us. So let's talk. How can they support us though? So there's a couple ways you can support us. You can support us by going to Apple iTunes or Spotify and subscribing to the show, uh, specifically with Apple iTunes, give us a rating, you know, give us a rating. Cause that's, that's how Apple knows that people dig us and they're listening and they, it gets us mm-hmm. bumped up on their ratings. Um, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. Party on John cast. Uh, or you can become a patron Ooh, through our Patreon site. And we have a patron now. We do. So. We, we now have a patron. A good good friend of mine in the in Pres- the Presbytery handed him his car magnet this l- couple weeks ago at Presbytery. Said, thank you, our one and only patron. Yes. And uh, we're hoping to get more. And... And honestly, uh, for the for the one patron we have, um, you know that you're going to get to listen and watch uh, some extra content, uh, which we will record right after we end this this uh, podcast. So you're missing out if you're not supporting us. Um, all you need to do is give up one coffee, one one frappuccino at Starbucks a month, and you could support us. Uh, and and uh, get access to bonus content. Yeah. And a car magnet, and if you do our top tier, you get all of that, plus you get a discount on our swag. Actually, you get a discount um, for the t- two top tiers, I believe. But the other thing that you get is uh, shout-outs. Uh, you'll, we, we can do shout-outs, and also uh, we will uh, invite you to converse with us and kind of be in a part of the, the planning process for these for these uh, podcasts. So, so they're... they're the top tier is is a sweet deal, mm-hmm. um, but there are a number. There are three tiers that you can support us with, and each, um, you know, ha- have their, uh, their their benefits. Their benefits. Uh, one thing I will also say is, if you'd like, you can also go to the Life Giving Water Swag Store and buy any and all of your Party on John Cast gear, including Todd and I are both rocking Party on John Cast cell phone cases. The one and the only. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So uh, that's about it. That's it. Have a spooktacular Halloween and um, a howl of a good time. Howl of a good time. I will have. I'll be celebrating a birthday that day because it's Allison's birthday. She's got the best birthday ever. Halloween is the best birthday. My daughter's is the day before. Yeah, uh, so. goosey night. <laughs> 
So, so that's what we'll be doing. So, uh, yeah, have a spectacular month. Absolutely. You too, Sal. Be excellent to each other. Absolutely. And, and don't be a jerk. Rock on. Rock on.